Yes, it's a quick reversal satellite, and uh, yeah, I'm that PQ River guy. And we've got uh, some oddball stuff. We've got a lot of music. There may be uh, more than the usual two selections this time around. Oh, he's breaking format. Everybody stop everything. And uh, we're writing songs, we're making songs, and uh, finding the things in the archive that uh, are almost forgotten. Uh, but this is all good things. And we have Henry Morgan. Now, Henry Morgan uh, is going to be a theme that we are going to be carrying through uh Possibly for a few shows, or maybe at a certain point uh, we'll make a long show. But this time around, we have an example of his uh, radio work uh, from New York City in the earlier, mid-40s, I would say. And he did a local show, one of the first quote-unquote disc jockey shows where somebody would you know play a record which you know at certain times in radio that was a big deal which is why they had orchestras just sitting there in the studio just to do incidental music the musicians union had some strong representation and the idea that you could circumvent 14 guys salary over here in the orchestra by playing a record uh, was at issue at times in the history of radio. But I digress. Uh, he was one of the first contrarian comedians that was successful in radio and then television of course uh, it was i've got a secret uh he would guest host sometime and he was on the panel uh for years and other game shows that's probably if you met somebody who was around in the 50s and 60s how he would be best remembered but he did some innovative radio shows uh which like i say we've got some examples uh and I found an interview. The peak of this whole thing is an interview from way later in his life than I ever thought something like that existed. He made an appearance on the David Letterman show in the early 80s, and it was not a successful appearance. Uh, they went to a commercial, and when they came back, uh, Henry Morgan had... Uh, <laughs> been excised so to speak um, he, he was a very bitter and angry man uh, you know like many angry bitter men in the show business uh, he had some good reasons and some reasons where yeah it was probably his fault but all that aside yes we're gonna have a lot of music Henry Morgan and of course I will be uh, pouring on the driveline and the comments and uh, did you catch that uh, SCTV episode of the Overnight Scape Central I mean it was just uh, Frank Edward Nora and myself 
and uh, some old song by my band Fido 3 about John Candy. But it all, especially Frank's segment, uh, he really rescued that show because uh, if you have heard it, my segment uh, production-wise did not at all turn out the way I would have wanted it to. And the hum, I just, oh, but it it is a document now, and uh, I still think it is worth hearing, even if you scooch past uh, the PQ River part and just listen to Frank's segment on SCTV. uh, I think he said many things that needed to be said about that um, now almost obscure comedy troupe, despite the fact that franchises like Ghostbusters uh, are still... Well, I guess they may be relaunching the franchise with this last film. At least uh, that's what some of the reviews I uh, have been exposed to indicate. I'm not sure. At some point, I might watch it if I'm in the mood and there it is, but I don't know. I just don't know about the Ghostbusters franchise. I mean, I can, I, I feel pretty assured that the one they made a few years ago with the all-female cast is something that I will not watch at any time I could imagine. But who knows what P.Q. River might wind up watching at a moment. Just on a caprice uh, on a, just a random whim. And, uh, yeah, we've got uh, some uh, music. Music. You want some music? I've got some music. I 
Now that's uh, sort of an homage to John Cooper Clark. Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think the Arctic Monkeys did a cover of this. Uh, this uh, and it is not a cover. It is a rewrite, uh, a remix. Um, it's not a song parody so much, but but there you have it. Uh, and I'm sticking with it. And uh, here, let's let's just jump right into this. Uh, it, it, it's an evening in New York City in, uh, let's see, 1942, April 16th. And, uh, well, let's see what's on the radio. What? Well, the ball game, the ball game. So the ball game, who has to leave at the end of the eighth? Morgan. When does the game get good? The ninth. Who's at home? Morgan. Or on a subway or somewhere. Well, I saw eight innings today, Sam. Yeah. I see the bums play the bigger bums. Good game, though, what I've seen of it. Very good game. Hello, Daniel. How's your leg? No reaction, huh? Just walking, huh? Any running yet? Hit it with a doctor's uh, clopper there. One of those, uh, you know, they sock the nerve, and if you don't react, you don't go to the ball game. Oh, great, great. Ed Head is a good... Who? Dickie James, I could buy? Where did he, where'd he go? Yeah, I know. He went to wait. Uh, I, I can't tell where he went. Um, uh, I'm sorry I missed him. Good game. That Ed Head's a good pitcher. Ed Head's a good pitcher. Well, final score, 4-2. to two. Brooklyn win. So it's all right, I mean, but I'd like to be there when it happens. Hey, Sam. Uh, very good program we got here tonight. Uh, circus program. Circus program, Sam. You start. You start. I'll take a bite of Sam. Bring Dick back. On the inside. Good evening, anybody. Here's Morgan, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, relayer of messages from the boot maker, later referred to as A-D-L-E-R. Uh, this evening marks the beginning of greater deep in the heart of Texas week. And our giant combination diving bell and radio studio is gaily festooned with colorful bits of tumbling tumbleweed, several pictures of Gene Autry's horse in full color, and 8,000 Zeke Manners recordings, all of which have plenty or nothing to do with Texas. And now I think, if you're all ready, we can play radio's thrilling new game, Catch as Catch Can, Fred Waring. We just made it up, sitting behind third in the bright sun. Lined up on one side of the studio are the song pluggers, some of whom have come to us especially and from as far away as the 47th Street Automat. While on the other side of the studio is Fred Waring himself, dressed to resemble a huge pack of Dash cigarettes. With the Dash cigarette girls of the week dancing around him in their slick AVS, AWVS uniforms, all trying to look like Joan Bennett. 
Now, when the whistle blows, the song pluggers will rush Mr. Waring and the first successfully to handcuff the eminent band leader will receive the plug which has been loaned to us for this occasion by Harry Von Zell. And maybe his tune will lead the... Now, uh, we come to the head and shoulders of the program itself. I was a 97-pound weakling. Of course, I was only eight years old. Then I read the life of the Moreland sisters through the courtesy of Super Magician magazine and sent a little note to Charlie Atlas. The story of these two brave girls gave me courage, and their smiling happy faces seemed to be saying to me, Go on, Henry, you can be a prestidigitator. Try. So I threw caution to the winds and plunged into my work. That ought to be a soft good. For the first year, I got nothing but squirrels out of my silk hats. Then it developed rabbits, and now, well, everybody knows the rest. <laughs> you know how it is. Twice a day now, I pull Ted Lewis out of the silk hat to loud plaudits. Yes, I owe it all to the Moylan sisters, and so do you. So does everybody. I would like to introduce you to Sam, who owes his success to clean living. Clean living and records. Now I want you to hear the all over in the orchestra from the low E flat on the trombone right through to the bassoon, clarinet, flute to the high E flat on the piccolo. They swam all over the dance. Now we come to the fish music. The water music that the fishes swim over played in the orchestra on the harp. Very effective on the harp. Now we come to the well-known theme of boop, boop, didum, dadum, wadum, chew, with the accent on the chew. This again is portrayed on the horn, H-O-R-N-S, only in harmony instead of in unison. It rather reminds one of Wagner. the martial movement, Allegro con fuoco, which means with fire. Here it is, played on the brass. Alex Templeton, one of the greatest entertainers of our day. Cleverest satirist and greatest mimics and most inventive and uh, and uh, uh, I'm going to make myself a million dollars. I'm going to set up what is to be known as the Morgan Clothing Clinic. Uh, I'm attending a cocktail party, and I'm being introduced to a young doctor. In the course of the conversation with this party, I find out he's been experimenting with grafting. See? So I make them a joke like Tammany Hall, politicians. But the young doc, he gives me the fish eye. And all of a sudden, the inspiration comes to me from out of the blue. Grafting, I says to myself. Why not grafting lapels and cuffs on victory suits? Inspirational. So right away I get this doc's name on a contract. He's going to wait for me and we're all set to go. You follow me? We got this clinic with tailors and fitters and everything. 
All you do is come to us with your victory suit. We make it look like pre-war. Only sometimes even better. Like last week, for instance, already we put fur collars. Fur collars in the cuffs on a regular business suit. A masterpiece, I said to the doc. I give him a bonus aside from the conditions of the contract. And he replies, it's a new era in the clothing business is dawning. The doc is very careful with the patients, of course. Each and every gentleman that comes to us got to be studied. We match the cloth with a blood test. Then the doc cuts off an old lapel with a scalpel, and he matches it to the victory suit. And the instrument nurse, a tailor named Mo, hands him the needle and a thread. Then they suture around a little, and before you know it, the lapel is back on. Then the patient goes away and rests. He rests for a week, maybe. And uh, then he comes back, and they put the second operation on him. They, they can, it's the second operation, they put the cuffs on the pants. Local anesthesia, that's all. Sometimes even it's so perfected now, the doc don't have to be there. One of his assistants, intern named Izzy, he does most of the cuff work. Both operations completely give the patient the bill. If he faints, they put him in a hospital next door. We own that one, too. Why don't you come on over and have a couple of lapels sutured? How about it? Anything wrong with your feet? Need some Adler shoes or anything? Need some new shoes? Adler? Adler. 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 It's a one-minute commercial with five highly trained announcers all screaming at once. My friend says, what has Adler got that any other shoe store has not? Well, he has me to sell shoes. Secondly, Adler has elevators, shoes that make men almost two inches taller in standard. It has a complete assortment of styles, sizes, leathers, and colors in every type of shoe. There isn't, a, there isn't a normal man in New York. He can't fit perfectly right out of stock. Except maybe the guy in the Andy Gump strip in the news, the guy with the two left feet. How are you, Hogan? Is that a new suit? A lot better than the other one. New shoes? Adler shoes? I get your rate, kid. Get you 1% off. Well, what with taxes it put back on? You know about Adler's Longfellow, Hogan? You're a big kid. You're six feet or over and you have big feet? These are swanky shoes make your feet look smaller. But they're comfortable. Nothing squeaks. Nothing bites. You're happy. You sing. <laughs> You're nuts. Just go in and buy the shoes and walk out and keep your mouth shut. A-D-L-E-R. Of course, he makes the thin man, too, for thin meat. Thin feet. Thin meat. That's that new maid I have up the house. Slices off the bottom half of nothing and parboils it. Other shoes come in widths E to 6E. That is, the wide guy shoes do. Any kind of foot you have, son... Bringing in old man Adler, who still spells his name A-D-L-E-R. Bring a little dough with you. Not an awful lot. You get a pair of shoes. And uh, good shoes. Good shoes. He still has a lot of rubber-soled shoes. A lot of rubbers. Uh, made before BP, I guess. Before priorities. And uh, better get around there, though, if you want rubber-soled shoes. Mr. Adler uh, has no more resources in this line. 20 ADLER stores in the metropolitan area. 20. Sam? Sam? Whoa! My Day at the Circus by Henry Morgan, PS 142, Class 5B, Season of Apple Snare. <laughs>
The circus is something that comes to Madison Square Garden once a year and blocks off traffic on Saturday afternoon. And it's a place where the clown is in love with a bareback rider, but she doesn't love him, so he's crying while he's laughing, which is the neatest trick of medical history. Now, stepping into the sideshow, we see the freaks. There's the man who eats razor blades. Getting thinner, isn't he? Hmm. Down to one blade a week. WPB. Moving on, we arrive in front of the ambassadors from Mars. Orson Welles is deep in conversation with one of them. Later on, we pass Orson Welles again, this time in deep conversation with Orson Welles. Harry, Harry, Harry. Ah, Harry, 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 Harry. Over this way, the one and only, the eighth one of the world. He astounds you, amazes you, makes you shudder. Yet stimulates and surprises you, the India Rubber Man. This year, the India Rubber Man has a routine. He stretches his neck and he says, Hey, look at me, I'm priceless. Priceless. He makes everybody who owns a car jealous by twisting himself into a brand new automobile tire with white walls. What's better? Harry, Harry, step this way. Don't crowd. Let the folks get... Thank you, lady. In this cage, ladies and gentlemen, we have the premier attraction of the 1942 Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. Mr. and Mrs. Gargantua. The only couple in the animal kingdom that has no domestic trouble. Rumor has it they were married by a justice of the peace in Tanganyika. Went to Victoria Falls on their honeymoon. And now we take a seat in the arena. The glamour of the sawdust show is in the air, and pretty soon the grand marshal begins. Oh, hurry, 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 hurry. It's the greatest show on earth. <laughs> Hear that, Jim? There won't be any more new cars this year. We must take mighty good care of the cars we have. You can with Shell Dealer's new ground crew service. Mm, what's that? A new Shell Dealer service created just for this emergency. It's patterned after Army Air Corps standards. Well, what's it cover? The Shell Dealer who displays the ground crew service emblem thorough checks oil, tires, lights, radiator, battery, cleans windshield, rear window, all absolutely free. And if your car needs lubrication, he gives the right kind. Say, that's just what I want. Get free ground crew service regularly. At the famous sign of Shell. American will be on this same corner in front of the cigar store again tomorrow night at the same time. And I want you to know that it will... What's that, madam? Uh... Do Mr. and Mrs. Gargantua have any social life? Well, yes, in a way. They uh, they have an explorer for dinner every now and then. This is the Mutual <laughs> Broadcasting System. The feeling is mutual. Oh, man. what the Mutual really seemed to have a lot of the great classic offbeat stuff. Oh, man. Quiet, please. Uh, it, it, let me digress for a minute, then we'll get back to Morgan. I found a TV show that Willis Cooper did um, 
about the same era that uh, he did Quiet, Please. Um, there will be some follow-up on this, but uh, you people who love Quiet, Please, the old-time radio series of uh, horror and suspense and great writing, for my dime, it's the best that there ever was, and it's a shame that there are so few surviving episodes, and many of those have some pretty rotten audio, but that they survived, and there are scripts. Oh, yes. One day, one day, I'll be doing uh, reenactments of all the lost Vic and Shades and Quiet Pleases. And uh, Henry Morgan, now, there are only, as far as I can find, three episodes of that 15-minute show that he did in New York that led him to fame. And this is a young, he's a young kid at this point. Uh... He's 20 years younger than the heart uh, of his, the game show career with I've Got a Secret and all that. Um, And here he is, young, brash, full of voices, cynicism, and uh, wordplay. Uh, And, you know, he did a movie at one point uh, called So This Is New York that uh, I have seen... I remember enjoying it, but it was so many years ago, and I only saw it once that uh, I would have to see it again. And I have uh, added it to that list, in fact. And did you notice the catches Catch Can uh, reference, which is just great coincidence and synchronicity, of course, for all of you Evelis fans. Uh, Chad Bowers even did a video of Catch as Catch Can. I'm pretty sure it's on the Titfos YouTube channel, and um, Alex Templeton, the guy who played the piano and sang that uh, he played during the show, I had never heard of him, so I went to Wikipedia, and we have fascinating information to share. Alec Andrew Templeton, who was born on the 4th of July, 1909, he was a Yankee Doodle Dandy, And he uh, passed away on the 28th of March, 1963. He was a Welsh composer, pianist, and satirist, born in Cardiff, Wales. There's some confusion concerning his year of birth. Most published and internet biographies give his birth year as 1909, as it was certainly registered in September of that year, but his headstone shows 1910 as his year of birth. Here's where it starts getting interesting. Blind from birth and gifted with absolute pitch, he studied at London's Royal Academy of Music, his piano teachers there being Lloyd Powell and Isidore Goodman, whom I don't know, but their names uh, turn blue, which means they're notable enough that they have biographies, and if I wanted to get really crazy... I could do that, but I'm not. In 1936, he moved from Wales to the United States as a member of Jack Hilton's jazz band, and he played with a number of orchestras, giving his first radio performances on the Rudy Valley Show, the Chase and Sanborn Hour, Craft Music Hall, and the Magic Key of RCA. And it goes into his recordings, and he made a lot of amusing sides. Um... 
He did some radio shows himself, uh, his radio program, Alex, Alec, rather, Temple. It, it is Alec, not Alex. Templeton time. Sponsored by Alka-Seltzer, was first broadcast from 1939 to 1941, initially as a summer replacement for Fibber, McGee, and Molly, and what we just listened to is from 1942, and he returned in 1943 and 46 and 47. Um, Guests he would have included Kay Lorene and Pearl Bailey. He memorized the scripts for his shows by having them read to him 20 times. He even had a TV show from uh, June to August of 1955 on that famous Dumont television network. And uh, he appeared in the later Dumont series, Jazz Party. Let's see how far we can digress and ramble. Um, Let's see. Uh, Later years and death, uh, experimenting with the new recording medium of audio tape, Alec was able to make sounds with the piano similar to what Les Paul was doing with guitar, recording at half speed so as to play back doubly fast. Two albums, oh here we go, were issued using this technique, Magic Piano and Smart Alec. He also made albums for children on the Riverside label. Oh, man, this is just... And two LPs of recordings consisting of sounds from Alec's Music Box Collection. Wow. One for Columbia and one for RCA Victor. Uh, And he died at age 52 or 53 in Greenwich, Connecticut, the mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut, from an undisclosed illness... And, oh, there's even uh, his tombstone is included in his uh, Wikipedia biography. So from Wales to Greenwich, and uh, now I'm going to have to go dig up these albums somewhere. I bet you they're on YouTube. Uh, So that's probably the next step for me. And uh, speaking of music, here's the next step for you. Raphael Silver Cloud Lounge. What's again? What's in that? Captain Oasis. Found ourselves here skipping the Java. Listening to the sound. Go sound. Thank you. 
of uh, Fido 3. Yeah, Fruitcake Toothpaste there on the bass clarinet and some of the uh, vocal help at the beginning. Uh, the Reverend and Dr. Uh, Panasofsky on 
bass guitar. And that was live somewhere. Uh, not particularly a big crowd, but uh, we played whether there was or not. So uh, it, it sounds like we were just playing for a few friends at that point. But fun, 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 fun. And a Nirvana cover, too. All this and more on your Quake Reversal satellite of love, affection, and uh, affectedness as well. Um, were there any more? Uh, oh, yeah, the Adler Shoes ads. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was one of the uh, first uh, talent to tease or uh, denigrate the sponsor. And the, they, Adler Shoes, initially, when they heard these ads this guy was doing, canceled him. And the legend goes that uh, the recoil was so strong that they came back and continued to sponsor him. I don't know whether Shell Oil uh, at that point even noticed that they were sponsoring such programs. Uh, and it's also from the very, very beginning of World War II there. Uh, so you see, you can get that feel when he's talking about rationing and uh, metal and all that stuff. And what we're going to do is, uh, this is going to make me make more shows, which I think is a preferable end result. So uh, the next time around, we will have more and we will build up to the crescendo of this uh, Steve Allen interview of Henry Morgan. And this is, uh, it's hard to find the Steve Allen shows that he did on WNEW radio in the 80s when uh, William B. Williams had that time slot for years and years doing a show called The Make-Believe Ballroom. And they hired Steve Allen, which was quite a coup, I'm sure, uh, to host the make-believe ballroom. And the show quickly turned into a very funny show with Steve Allen and friends sitting around a piano uh, telling stories. Then it became nationally syndicated for a short time. And what went over in New York in the afternoon apparently was not so successful nationwide, and that was the end of that. But that's a whole other story. I used to have so many cassettes of those Steve Allen shows, and that's another uh, lost archive. And uh, as I, I keep looking, I look for all of these uh, hosts. Like, I, I'd love to find some Jack Parr, too, but uh, that's unlikely as well. Moving right along, however, uh, before we leave uh, you and Park Company, it's time for the looking at the YouTube and the history and the things that PQ River is, was, could be watching. And uh, perhaps you will uh, find some ideas for your internet viewing uh, at some people, I just, it's so rare that I am short of things to watch. But uh, some people, I feel they have scoured the internet and seen everything. Let's see a couple of videos of cats getting stuck places. Yeah, even I fall into this. And, but, yeah, that, that'll kill 10-15 minutes if, if you got 10-15 minutes to kill. 
And while I am sure that Ethan Van Skyver will not hear this, uh, I send condolences to him and his family. Uh, there was uh, apparently his wife's father has passed, and uh, he won't be doing shows for a few days. He's my favorite Mormon, I think. Um, Orson Scott Card is pretty okay as far as I know, but uh, as far as Mormons who I have watched and listened to speak and enjoyed, uh, Ethan Van Skyver, who has a channel on YouTube called Comic Artist Pro Secrets, Uh, he is the figurehead, so to speak, of what they call the Comics Gate movement, which is uh, people who refuse to uh, do the, what happened to the three major comic book companies in the U.S. Uh, just cancel people, uh, have your comics be political. I, I don't think Ethan Van Skyver's comics reflect a political view to any degree, they're comic books, and uh, I kind of respect somebody who has been successful during these times where a lot of uh, famous comic artists and writers and editors uh, are out looking for work. Uh, Even now, IDW, which is the number three uh, comic book company behind the two big ones, Marvel and DC, IDW had really built up. They were licensing G.I. Joe and the Transformers and James Bond. They had licensed a lot of properties. They had a couple of original things that were pretty cool, and they were luring in artists uh, and writers with uh, the money they were making. But all of a sudden, they just went completely, uh, quote-unquote, woke. And uh, they have lost all their major franchises, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know what's going to be with them either. I, <laughs> the comic book industry as a whole is going to go through a lot more changes before it settles into anything. You know, when I was growing up, it was pretty much almost everything carved in stone. And everybody had their thing and they didn't even mix. I mean, there was no crossover between DC and Marvel back in those... The, the Stone Age, what was it? I guess it was really the Silver Age that was when I grew up and I was a comic book kid, maybe the very beginning of the Bronze Age, uh, depending on when you delineate that, because there is no hard line between those eras. Anyways, back to the YouTube and the viewing. I found footage. Well, actually, somebody else found it and posted it. And uh, I came across... Uh, the title is Sniper and Joey Ramone. And that's, uh, the, the, the title's longer. But what this is, is 1973. Joey Ramone doing lead vocals with a different band and this is like two, three years before the Ramones existed. And it's, it's, it's a relic. It's a document. And yeah, it is. Joey is not. This is not working out so well at all. But uh, 
as a it's a, like a black and white video like a lot of old documentation of live shows is and well worth seeing uh this young joey ramone doing his thing in this uh interesting costuming if you get a chance that's something that uh all us all us ramones fans need to see it and uh yeah what's going on in canada with the truckers and uh the prime minister there that trudeau guy who i've never been particularly fond of but uh hmm. Uh, I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, yes, I'm with the truckers. They're standing up for things that, uh, I would stand up for, but it's Canada and they've got their own, uh, the fact that they have been doing this for that long and it's so clean up uh, that there are videos of people almost at any time wandering around the city of Ottawa and showing you what's going on there. And uh, any reports in the media that they're vandalizing and making garbage and doing damage is uh, inaccurate. Uh, I think without you know, we the fake news, whatever you want to call it. But uh, let's see. Let's keep going. Here. Let's keep going and uh, not fall in so much because there are other. Oh boy, yeah, the comedian that uh, it's oh that's just. A Horrible. You don't wish this on people, and I hope they are fine. I mean, 500 athletes in Europe have just suddenly dropped, and some comedian collapsed and fractured her skull immediately after in a monologue bragging of being all caught up and triple vaccinated. These are... I don't wish this on people. This is scary well let's see bobcats uh versus cats bobcat mom confronts domestic cat but nothing really happens uh, a bobcat uh, believe me as aggressive as fluffy might be a bobcat is probably unless there's something wrong with it if, if, if fluffy attacks it we're gonna have problems and uh, finally, uh, well, we'll see if cancel culture comes for Howard Stern. Believe me, Howard Stern has fought off cancel culture before uh, and longer than anybody, despite the fact that, uh, again, don't cancel him, just don't listen to him. I am so tired of people being canceled on either side. I mean, like, cancel LeBron James. The heck with LeBron James. Let him think what he wants. If the people who hire him want to put up with that and the people who watch the sport, that's fine. It's almost like you're making yourself suffer more by even paying attention to it at a certain point that we have already reached and passed. Anyways, moving right along. Oh, yes, and we'll be sending free crack pipes and syringes out on our government money. Uh, yep, I'll let you, if you think that's good, well, yeah, we'll just leave that at that. And a band, just in general, that I could not possibly praise or recommend enough. Their entire catalog, their worst songs, are still worth having listened to once they might be 
giants. The two Johns, they are just an incredible combo, and they have done so much, so many great things since their very debut album, which I bought immediately on its release, because I was one of those people who, wandering around New York City, as I did in the late 70s and early 80s, I saw a flyer attached to a uh, pole in the village when I was on one of my record-buying or comic-book-buying expeditions, and it said, Dial a song. They might be giants. And it had a phone number, and I literally took it right down off the pole, took it home, and back then that was a long-distance call. But every so often, late at night, when it was cheap to make a short long-distance call, or cheap enough, I would call up and listen to uh, They Might Be Giant's Dialer song, and then they came out with an album, and the rest, of course, is history. And let's keep rolling down and see what else we can... uh, Is there anything... Oh, yes, uh, I've been watching again videos I, I guess there's been some new i don't know specifically but suddenly the patterson film that uh, greatest evidence of bigfoot document is back in discussion and you know i can be more credulous as time goes on uh i'm still dubious not I just because of the physical reality of any society large enough to survive for any length of time anywhere in the contiguous United States seems extraordinarily dubious no matter how vigilant they are at avoiding humans and they can smell them from a mile away and all the rest I mean, we're ruthless, but who knows? And and so much stuff that is absolutely not credible that is presented on a regular basis that doesn't help my uh, overall ideas. Oh, man, that's right. No, I'm just... Do you ever get just suddenly distracted by the memory of food that you might be able to make for yourself? Yes, I have some... Jimmy Dean English muffins with sausage, egg, and cheese uh, that are quite uh, a culinary delight, uh, to say the least. But they're tasty little uh, morsels. I, I, I get the biscuits sometimes, but it's really hard. The biscuits just, it's hard to get a good biscuit consistency. These English muffins, if you get it just right, it, it, it's all a really good product there. And uh, well, thank you, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. Moving along. Uh, yes, I was talking about Bigfoot, and I watched several videos. And by the way, the uh, program that I mentioned that Willis Cooper did, it's called Volume 1, and one of an alleged eight episodes that were made in 1949 has turned up on YouTube. And uh, if this has already piqued your curiosity, um, Volume 1, Number 4 is the title. If you type that in 
I am pretty sure it will take you to that. And that, that, that is a real surprise and treat. And I've only watched part of it, which is why I wasn't going to completely comment. But if I'm going through uh, my YouTube history, and here it is, well, uh, why not share the joy and miracle of when stuff turns up out of unknown archives? Oh, it is so good. Little Roger Miller, you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. Uh, and uh, I, I can't promise you, but one of the things I plan on doing when uh, Q is back here, which is probably within a week or so, uh, Q and Narai, Ayakel and uh, Twyla, uh, whatever uh, of their many names they will be manifesting will be here. Maybe we'll have a heck episode. There will be music, and uh, I'm going to see if I can get them to cover You Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo Herd. But it, wouldn't that be transcendental in some remarkable and miraculous way? And there's a Led Zeppelin bootleg that manifested uh one of their live early I like their early live shows. It's not the best recording, but it's their Carnegie Hall October seventeenth, nineteen sixty nine show. And uh the performance that that, that went they were such a powerhouse for the first few years of their live performances and albums. Uh one of those untouchable legendary musical entities for certain. And the news is uh, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, the uh, remaining living members of The Who, are going to do another, at the very least, tour. I really have to go back and listen to that album they did a couple years ago because I have only heard good things about it. And I only heard a couple tracks off of it. And while they didn't knock me out, I don't remember thinking like I do when I hear, say, a new Rolling Stones album that this is just terrible. So, uh, yeah, The Who are one of my favorite bands out of that era. They did, uh, Pete Townsend did a lot of remarkable stuff. Uh, and uh, I cannot praise him enough. So uh, I will just leave that at that, and uh, we will keep rolling. Uh, uh, Steve Leto, who is one of my favorite uh, legal channels, uh, told us, tells the story. The title is Casino Tracks Down Man to Tell Him He Won. And that's really, I, I, I never thought that they would do as much uh, diligent searching, but apparently there was... You know, when a slot machine malfunctions and they have some sort of evidence and they don't have to pay you, they assuredly don't. But apparently there was some issue with this fellow and um, they did not pay him. They told him it was some malfunction and he went home. And uh, sometime after, they were able to figure out who he was and track him down because they were wrong. And he got like a couple hundred thousand dollars, I think. I mean, that's, that's a nice surprise 
to be told about. And uh, let's see. If you just want something short, just look up Billy Joel flips out in Moscow in 1987. And uh, yeah, you'll thank me for that. I mean, I am no fan of Billy Joel, but he does do nice things for his fans. There, This video where he's in Moscow and apparently his fans, are, they might be dancing. I don't know what they're doing, but security is doing something. And Billy Joel is simply not happy about it and uh, acting out in a way that I well number one I would never go to Moscow uh, in 1987 I, I mean I think the wall has come down but it's you're still talking about quite a repressed society and um, hey balls Billy Joel does have balls and the other thing that he does he uh, I am told and if this is true good on him he buys all the tickets for the first front row of all of his shows and has people go and find fans who have seats way in the back and brings them up front so when he's performing, what he sees in front of him isn't a bunch of jaded, overindulged rich people who can afford to pay a small fortune or have the influence to get that front row seat. Instead, he sees people who love him and are thrilled to be there. Which, hey, uh, aside from all of his other flaws that he might carry, I can respect Billy Joel for that. And, and see, even P.Q. River can uh, see things from many ways. Uh, and with that, I think we can uh, clear the cache and uh, let everybody uh, do whatever it is that they're going to do next. And um, thanks so much for being here and listening. We will be back sooner than you think with more good stuff. And until then, join me. We're going to set the controls for the heart of the fun. <laughs>